You're listening to the B Fox and B Frank show. The college football playoff semifinals um, happened this past Saturday. At least one game went exactly as we thought it might sound. We'll start there. LSU, Oklahoma. Um, just not a competitive football game in any way, shape, or form. For about three minutes, we had ourselves a game. And quickly yeah. after that, it was it was over. Um, Oklahoma's getting a lot of shit lately for being 0-4 in the playoff and basically getting boat raced in, in most of these games, giving up a shit ton of yards. I mean, this is this is what you expect from Oklahoma. They're not a defensive team. The offense just didn't have it when they needed to, and they're going to lose, you know, 10 times out of 10 no matter who they play, and we kind of saw it. Earlier this season when they lost to Kansas State, the defense just couldn't stop a nosebleed against the most predictable offense that's been run there for about, I don't know, 60 years almost. And you could probably go back even further, but it's it's very obvious what K-State does, and they still were able to put up a 50-burger, and then, you know, you, you get LSU, who you know is just going to throw it all over the yard, and they can't stop anything. It's a tough position to be in because you're – you're at least making it to the playoffs consistently, so that's not nothing, but right. you're just not anywhere close to getting over the hump and you know, not even just winning a title, but like being competitive in your semifinal games. Like last year's game against Alabama, that was the the final score was much, much, much closer than how competitive the game actually was because right. you know, Oklahoma just put up a lot of yards and points after the thing was already decided. Um, LSU kept its foot on the gas more so this year, so it was still a 35-point final margin. But, yeah, I mean, at this point, Oklahoma is – they're, they're kind of like the Bills of college football playoffs. Yikes. Like, they get there, dude. I mean – It's true. Four or, times. Yeah. Or, or, the, or the Dodgers. Shout out Hayes. Yeah. Um, but that's – yeah, that, that's kind of where they're at. They're, they're clearly the premier program in the Big 12, but – Compared to the rest of the national powers, there is definitely a significant gap there, and it is going to take, um, you know, pretty, pretty big improvements um, on the defensive side of the ball to shore up that gap. And I know they they just brought over Alex Grinch in the offseason from Ohio State, who's their co-defensive coordinator, safeties coach, and I mean, Ohio State's defense up until this year was really not that great mm-hmm. um, to begin with. This year, obviously. Very good, um, but I think if if Grinch is the guy that you think is going to give you a schematic advantage, and we're very much still waiting to see that, you're going to have to improve the players that you have on that side of the ball too. And mm-hmm. same problem um, that plagues the entire Big Twelve that we always are like scratching our heads about because the recruiting base is so fertile for good athletes yeah. um, on the defensive side of the ball. It's it's a little it's a little ridiculous, but I mean, that's what it's going to take. Like, you have to have a well-rounded football team in order to win national championships. Yeah, and it it almost makes me wonder if we're at the point or when we get to the point of people saying there's no need to put a Big 12 team in because they're just not going to play defense and going to get destroyed. Why don't we have the fourth, you know, the second best SEC team in over that or, you know, give a chance. I mean, this will never happen, but give a chance to like the Pac-12 or somebody. Yeah. I'd stop short of that just because, like, this year Oklahoma was still um, pretty clearly the, the fourth best team in the country. I think the only argument you could have made is if uh, Wisconsin had not Wisconsin the Big Ten championship game and knocked off Ohio State. Yeah. Then then I probably could have seen putting in Wisconsin over Oklahoma. But mm-hmm. 
the the gap between LSU and I mean ninety eight percent of the country this year is is pretty significant. Like they they still boat race Georgia in the SEC championship team, which I mean d- despite some of their struggles, that's still a very good team. Um, yeah, yeah, I, I feel like that this we would have seen a, a pretty similar results had LSU played anyone not named Clemson or Ohio State. Right. Uh, so in in that regard, I'm not I'm not gung ho on on banning the Big Twelve entirely, but I don't want it to happen it either. Is, I'm just saying I think we're going to get to the point sooner than later where yeah. people are call, calling for it. Oh, people, yeah. No, if they're you, not the, already, the, the 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 tweets were out in uh, in big time form last night. But like any team that might have been like, well, why the hell did Oklahoma get in over us? Pretty pretty clear and easy arguments for why that didn't happen. Like right. Every every other team lost games that they shouldn't have. Like mm-hmm. you, you had you had your opportunities, um, and you just didn't take advantage of them. So, right, Oklahoma got to be the sacrificial lamb. It was fun for a couple minutes. I mean, it, yeah. it's always fun to watch LSU's offense too. Joe Burrow had a, a heck of a day. Yeah, by by always we mean this year only. Yes, yes, but, but yes, no, agree wholeheartedly. It was it was funny. It's a strict twenty nineteen statement. Yeah, no, it's it is far from evergreen. <laughs> um, it, it was it was fun for like LSU marched right down and scored, and then you are like, all right, game's over. Oklahoma came back, tied it up. It's like, oh, these tweets aged really well, and then LSU just went on a tear, laid the hurt. Uh, yeah, Je- Jefferson had a monster game. Obviously, Joe Burrow did as well. Um, defense made some some very good plays. Um, you kind of tell they're still still a little ticked off, motivated by. You know, people giving all the credit to the offense. Mm-hmm. Um, and next week, or yeah, next next game, we've seen the title game that they're going to be much more tested on on both sides of the ball. I would say, as good as Oklahoma is offensively, um, I think Clemson is going to be a pretty significant test for that defense. And let's let's talk about Clemson, Ohio State, because things happened there. This um, is a fun one. Yes, and it, it once again answers the. The age-old question, can you win games with field goals? The answer may surprise you. <laughs> you can't. Dear dear listener, you cannot. <laughs> um, yeah, we were together watching this one, and there were, there were a lot of just head-scratching moves. And I don't know if it's Ryan Day like working out the kinks of being a first-year coach or if it's more playing afraid. Because like there, there are two very clear distinctions. Like There, there are mistakes that young coaches make that we see all the time, whether it's clock management, whether it's extra pointers going for two or going for it on fourth down in certain situations. And then there's playing afraid where it's taking the easy way out, not, you know, the risk reward is higher. I mean, it, when they scored late, go for two. What is the harm in going for two? It's either going to be 22-21 if you don't get it or 24-21 and you force Clemson to have to make a field goal just to tie. If they score, they can still get the two and you're only down seven. So, I mean, simple math things. Football guys don't like math, clearly. So I think uh, every team should be hiring a top mathematician, aka someone with a calculator, to sit on the sideline and help these coaches out. And they probably have like at least one analytics guy on the staff too. And that's like like that was. And you got to assume some of these teams have like smart players too. Yeah, like there there are situations where, and we see this a lot in the NFL when and you might be kind of chasing points earlier in the game, maybe. Um, third quarter and kind of on the fence whether or not it makes sense to go for two here. Pretty cut and dried here. Like you in the fourth quarter, you're going up by one point. Obviously, 
if you kick if you kick the extra point, it changes nothing. Like a field yeah. goal still beats you. So I yeah, I didn't really understand. There was no risk. There There was no risk. Because either way... like Unless you are certain that they are going to, like, return it the other way. Right. That's the only risk. But if if that's your line of thinking, then, like, don't even bother showing up and playing. Because that's that's ridiculous. And you've got Justin Fields for Ohio State, who had thrown, what, two, three interceptions all year? He had one last night, or Saturday. Yeah. Well, he had, yeah. He had one coming into the game and then yeah. threw two. Yeah. But so, still. I mean, the odds are just just ludicrous. But anyways, this is Ohio State's first loss when J.K. Dobbins rushes for over 100 yards. They were 18-0 and previously. They are 18-1 uh, and now. Trevor Lawrence, I mean, hats off to him. He wasn't necessarily spectacular through the air. He made some big throws when he needed to, and his receivers made some big plays. But this guy getting it done on the ground, 67-yard touchdown run, the longest of his career. I mean, he was taking hits left and right and just making plays, and it was like a super motivated-looking Trevor Lawrence as opposed to, I'm not going to say he wasn't motivated before, it's but... Like, as opposed to, I'm playing North Carolina. Right, right. As opposed to, this is the ACC, we are clearly by and far the best team, like, I don't need to be taking these hits. Here, it was clearly, I'm laying it all on the line because my team needs to get back to the title game. Yeah, it, it was it was very apparent that both defenses were the best that each quarterback had faced this year, which is fine. Like, right? Unless unless they had played like, well, I mean, even LSU didn't have a better defense than either of these teams, so that's, that's kind of a moot point. So, mm-hmm. in in that regard, it's fine. Still, Ohio State still put up over 500 yards of offense. Obviously, the turnovers hurt, but um, Clemson was able to to figure it out over the course of the game as well, and it almost seemed like the way Ohio State was playing in the first half offensively. They just didn't expect that Clemson ever would be able to. Yeah. So, I mean, you you kick field goals from 21, 22 yards, um, another one from 33. So, not not quite the goal to go situation, but. Matt Nagy playbook. Like, I, I, dude, I was, <laughs> I, I was, I was first out ahead of this, like last year with Nagy. He, he and, and Kevin Wilson are, are the same offensive coach. Like, they can, they can maybe, and I mean, Nagy just sucked all over the field this year. But Kevin Wilson can can get some good chunk yardage when he has the whole field to work with. But when you get him inside the red zone, especially goal to go situations in some much smaller field, yeah, he just does not know what to do. It gets too cute. Um, can't just move the ball north and south, um, and mm-hmm. then you you leave you leave a ton of points on the board. Could be an, another additional twenty-one. You end up getting nine. That's that's huge, and that that could have been you know a a much larger deficit for Clemson to come back from. Um, as it as it stands, only was sixteen to nothing with you know two and a half quarters to go. Clemson scores two touchdowns in the last three minutes in the first half. Brand new game. Yeah, like you gotta, especially playing a team like Clemson when you have a chance to put them away. Put them away. Put them away. I mean, yeah. yeah. Teams can come back. I mean, college football is a crazy sport. We see comebacks all the time. We've seen crazy things happen. And especially when you're playing a team that hasn't lost in two years, you should probably put your foot on their throat and push down as hard as you can. So, like, what if you miss all three times, uh, you know, going forward on fourth down? That's that's tough, and people are going to question it. But it's the right move. Every single time, it's the right move. You, you cannot assume. Yes. Yeah. You cannot assume a team of Clemson's caliber is just 
going to roll over and die and like not figure it out at all offensively. I mean, one of those turns into a touchdown, and this is a completely different game. Yeah, and I mean the the other big turning point was the the fumble return for a touchdown that then wasn't. Yeah, um, ruled to be an incomplete pass. Um, I mean, even Terry McCauley came out and said that was there was no way that should have been reversed. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't want, I don't want to be that guy. Complain <laughs> about the refs. It, there were some interesting calls in this game. I mean, the the thirty foot, two foot tall uh, catch. I can't remember who it was. Justin Ross maybe goes up, gets hit in midair, comes down clearly out of bounds, and that was called a catch. So I don't know. Yeah. Like I don't know what exactly was going on. It was it was it was some wild times, and I mean, yeah. Congrats to Davis Sweeney. Couldn't have happened to a worse guy. Little old Clemson. Who'd have thought? Yeah. Um, so Clemson LSU, we will see um, in a <clears throat> little over a week in the the national championship game. Once again, obviously, well, obviously the best team that LSU has played this year, I would say safely in in Clemson. Mm-hmm. Um, but just. Looking at how both teams played yesterday, looking at their their entire um, season as a whole, I guess what's your what's your initial thought on this game? It will be interesting to see how the Clemson defense can hold up against Joe Burrow. They looked um, obviously they they give up 500 yards of offense to Ohio State, who is a good offensive team as well. It will be interesting to see where Edwards Hilaire is at health wise because if he can go full go, it's a t- different look for the LSU offense. Even without him, though, I mean, Joe Burrow is good enough and is capable of leading this team to a win. You gotta just, you gotta drop into coverage. I mean, I don't think you can play any other way. Venables needs, he'll have plenty of tape to work with and plenty of time to to look it over. But at the end of the day, I think you've gotta make someone that isn't named Joe Burrow beat you at this point. And if it's, if that's even possible. Yeah, Ohio State is a very good offensive team. And, Clemson was very bend don't break against them, but I don't mm-hmm. think you can rely on that same sort of strategy against right LSU. Um, I mean, Joe Burrow, Coach O's going for it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He's going to be going to be very aggressive. He is absolutely not taking this opportunity for granted. I would take Joe Burrow over any of the quarterbacks um, in the playoff by a lot. Um, so mm-hmm. going from even someone as talented as Justin Fields going from defending him to defending Joe Burrow is going to be a, a pretty big step up in class for Clemson's defense. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it's a, a lot of, a lot of the pressure is also going to be on the Clemson offense, like just keeping pace because mm-hmm. as you can play, you can play as good a game as possible um, against Joe Burrow in this offense. You're still probably going to give up, you know, close to, or more than 30 points. Right. That's a, that's a so, win too. Yeah. So where where is the passing game for Clemson? Well, actually, I guess even the run game outside of Trevor Lawrence should be a bit of a concern because it wasn't necessarily there in the in the way they needed it to be. But they'll uh, they've got some things to work out offensively. That's for sure. Yeah, right. I mean, also I think a lot of that is on Ohio State's fronts and how yeah. how strong they've been against the run um, all year. Mm-hmm. Like obviously they they abandoned it a little bit and, and went more quarterback heavy run once they, they figured out Etienne wasn't working, but holding right. him to 36 yards rushing is a pretty big win. Obviously he burned you for two receiving touchdowns, but they, they did a good job stopping the run. And 
I mean, I, I think Clemson will have an easier time running against LSU, but mm-hmm. it's it's going to have to be like you're going to have to put up chunks of yards every time to keep pace. That's yeah, that's the biggest thing. And rest your defense too. I mean, LSU has quick yeah. hitter ability like no one else in college football, basically. So. They've got to uh, be able to keep the defense off the field for a little bit and rest up, score points. I mean, the name of the game, score points, obviously, but you have to match LSU anytime they they score. Otherwise, the game is going to get out of hand. Yeah, that is that is accurate. Um, the other the other New Year's Six Bowl we had um, so far on Saturday, Penn State, Memphis, uh, Memphis, of course, without um, recently departed head coach Mike Norvell. Penn State, not a ton to play for here, honestly. Um, you know, not not a lot to gain, everything to lose, sort of thing. Um, but this is where James Franklin thrives, though. Yeah, it, it was it was a little bit of a slow start for them, um, and then they just dominated Memphis's defense. I mean, the strip sack at the end of the, the third quarter—I can't remember when exactly it was—but late in the game, they're up three, two or three third quarter i believe going for it on fourth and two at the memphis 30 gets stuffed next play pop it loose strip sack right into the defensive lineman's hands run it back for a touchdown and the game was over from there it really looked like memphis had a chance and was going to take advantage of the miscue and it just didn't happen brady white was threw the ball all over the yard but two interceptions were killer sean clifford again uninspiring but good enough to win yeah and I mean, Brady White was very close to 500 yards passing with zero touchdowns, which is absurd. That's Brian Hoyer esque. <laughs> that's that, that's it's a wild scene. Um, yeah, I mean, tough end of the season for Memphis, but overall, a very good one. They were very close to going undefeated during the regular season. Mm-hmm. Um, slightly controversial loss to Temple, and then I mean, pretty dominating over the rest of the the American, which. So we've we've mentioned many a time was top to bottom basically the same as the ACC this year. Yeah, so. very very strong league. The offenses, some of the offenses that these teams have were excellent. I mean, just look at Navy being basically lower end of the top tier in that league, and they put up like 500 rushing yards a game with one of the best playmakers. So, a uh, heck of a year for the AAC. Would have been nice to cap it off with a Cotton Bowl win, but. It wasn't a bad showing by any stretch of the imagination for them. No, not at all. Um, and then, I mean, they they were able to survive the the departure of Fuente and honestly get even a little better. So, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I know they'll be kind of expecting or hoping to have similar success now that Norvell is going. So it's keep hiring from in-house. Um, culture is the same. Easy mm-hmm. transition for the players and staff. So worked once. Why not try it again? Springboard. The Memphis Springboard is back in action. Yeah. Um, really all I have right now for football. Yep. Um, I've got, got some basketball. It was a, it was a light week because of uh, Christmas happens. So It did. That'll, uh, that'll usually be a thing. Um, but I've got, a, I've got a couple most and least impressive. Honestly, for the first time like ever, there's more more most impressive than than not what a a turn what a turn we've made what a time to be alive the christmas season for sure um yeah do you wanna you wanna start us off yeah i think we've gotta i don't think you can go anywhere but kentucky for the opener beating louisville 
in a really fun game over time, uh, end up coming away with the win. Three-point shooting, which is not Kentucky's strong point, was the key in this game. Louisville, I believe, in the first half was something like 1 of 11. Kentucky was 4 of 8. Nate Sestina being back is huge for them just because he adds that dimension to their offense and really allows them to open up the floor. But they've been playing decently well defensively. They made plays when they needed to, and the offense is looking a lot better than it usually does at this time in the year for a Cal coach team. Yeah, I, the like Maxi played exceptionally well. Um, quickly had a pretty good game too, but right, the really impressive game was uh, Nick Richards and mm-hmm. up a double double battling against the the big guys Enoch and Malik Williams. Enoch had a phenomenal game for Louisville too. His, his hook shot over both shoulders pretty much unblockable. Such a reliable move for him. Yep, and and Richards mostly held his own. And I mean this is this is a guy that if Kentucky is going to be you know a uh, a second weekend team and perhaps further in the tournament, they're going to need a lot more from him. They're expecting a pretty big jump in the off season that has been slow developing so far, but a game like this is uh, a very encouraging sign. Yeah. And just looking back through again, I mean, nine of 20 for Louisville from the free throw line. Going to keep that. That was killer too. Going to keep Chris Mack up. Uh, that That's a tough one. And Kentucky just needs to work on that offensive glass. They were minus seven in that category. But other, I mean, you're not, they're not going to play too many teams that are that physically imposing as Louisville is. They're one of the bigger, uh, more athletic teams out there. Jordan Wara just didn't have it as well for, uh, for the Cardinals. And when he's not playing well, they're, they almost have no chance to win against these better teams. Yeah. It's, uh, the, the, the rebounding issues I, I would attribute. A little bit more to Louisville just being that good, yeah, um, definitely. But obviously, room for improvement. And yeah, I mean, you you even had Ryan McMahon missing some free throws, um, who is a career like ninety one, ninety two percent guy. So mm-hmm. that that was just everybody on the roster just was was leaving points there. And and obviously, this game went to overtime. You, you hit a couple of those, and right, you don't have you don't have to. Um, exactly. What a big, big missed opportunity in that regard for Louisville for a, a good road win and what some people call a rivalry, but really isn't. Um, so yeah, that's uh, that was a tough one because honestly, it was it was the rare sort of game at Rupp that was like a a true hostile yeah. road game environment. Um, the place place was pretty rocking, which. You don't I mean, see it I, often. I, I say this. I say this as an objective college basketball fan, and any self-aware Kentucky fan will agree with me. That is usually not the case. It isn't, and I mean, it's kind of like North Carolina. I think we made this comparison yeah. before, but the Dean Dome is exactly like the Dean Dome. It's yeah. it's not the it, usually like Duke is the only time you really see the Dean Dome get you know that fierce, hostile home crowd environment, and it's not all the time. So. Um, yeah, that's a that's a I think the the clear one to one move there. I also had Houston who took out Washington in the uh, Hawaiian Airlines Diamond Head Classic just to get the the brand in there. Yeah, um, Cougs are quietly ten and three. Quentin Grimes, people remember him. Uh, Mills has been awesome all year. Hinton has been playing pretty well. They've they're just a decently deep team. Like they can go eight or nine guys that are all very solid and play great defense 
it's it's another good Houston team, not nearly as good as the ones we've seen the past couple years, but they certainly look to be an NCAA tournament team and a tough one to draw in the first round just because they're so guard heavy with uh, a lot of a lot of interchangeable pieces there. Yeah, Kelvin Sampson had an opportunity or some opportunities to leave in this offseason, shows not to, um, paying off so far. Mm-hmm. That I I had Houston as well. So it was, it was really the only the only thing going on during the week. Um, it's been a lot of games over the weekend, but obviously with with Christmas, um, it's pretty much just this tournament every year, and it's uh, usually like half the field is good, but say especially the the championship game win over um, Washington, I was I was able to to watch most of that. Washington's a good team, as we we've talked about at length. Yep. Um, but at the same time. Non-conference missed opportunity for the Pac-12 to to get a good win. Um, it's it, it it just it just keeps happening. Stop us if you've heard this before. Pac-12 yeah. misses an opportunity in the non-conference. It's a tough one. I mean, Washington it feels more like growing pains than anything, which is fair because they are a young team and they lost yeah. so much from last year. The problem is people looking at it aren't going to see it the same way because it's, like we just said, the Pac-12 missing out on yet another opportunity. You've got Arizona State, or Arizona, excuse me, who's supposed to be one of the better teams losing to St. John's at home without Mustafa Heron, and it's like, all right, what is the Pac-12 doing here? It's the same old, same old from them. Yeah, and UCLA loses a bye game to uh, oh my God. Cal Fullerton. Northridge, one of the two. It's, it wasn't Northridge. It was it was Fullerton. Yeah. yeah, like could could Mick Cronin really be gone after one year? Because we are the the we're getting there. the the train The train is rapidly gaining momentum and could <laughs> could go off the track. Um, yeah, that's it's it's tough because I would I would say in a theme degree like Washington, Arizona, Oregon. Those are all like should be good basketball teams. Yeah, um, but. And they've they've played some good teams close, but just not able to to get over the the hump against. I mean, seemingly any of the big ones. Yeah, I think Oregon's probably the exception to that this year with a couple nice wins. But even so, one but, team can't. Yeah, prop Michigan you up. was a was a good win. Yeah. yeah. They, they haven't, to, to the Pac 12's credit, they haven't lost every game. Yes, they have won <laughs> some big ones. Yeah. Um, and then just before we started recording this, I threw West Virginia in for the win over Ohio State. Like we were saying beforehand, this is really the first chance I've had to watch West Virginia, at least this, you know, carefully. And even without, you know, some of their better big men who are dealing with foul trouble, they find a way to win. The offense is not pretty. I mean, it usually isn't under Bob Huggins because they are just that press Virginia, force turnovers, get out in transition kind of team. And then uh, you know play strong defense, but man oh man, they they look pretty pretty good this year. Yeah, not really a team you're hearing a lot of buzz about um, yeah. in the Big Twelve preseason, um, and they've been pretty pretty quietly stringing together a, a good record so far. Yep, a little bit of head scratching loss to St. John's, but then this win over a, a well established good Ohio State team um, really should move the needle and they've vaulted them into the top twenty at least. Yeah, I, I'd be surprised if they aren't top fifteen come yeah. uh, Monday as this as this comes out. But that's all I had for most impressive. Like you said, there wasn't much going on this week, and I don't feel like going down, <laughs> going down the the rungs and picking out some other teams. Although I could, uh, but yeah, that's what I have. Yeah, least impressive. I only have one team, um, Tennessee. Oh, buddy. Um, I, yeah. Verbal verbal meantime. 
Indiana, Tennessee, handshake in the middle, getting boat raced by Wisconsin. <laughs> um, Wisconsin is still not good. No, and not. this was this was a true road game for them. And I, I, I like I liked Wisconsin. I, I I bet on Wisconsin. I I thought this was a neutral site game, and then I, I don't know why. And then I saw, I I turned on CBS. I was watching this. Like, yeah, that that's in Tennessee, and they're uh, they're up by like twenty five. Like that's the, Thompson Bowling right there, and it is not looking good for the Vols. No, they've. They haven't. They haven't had like necessarily a bad start this season. This was an absolute egg, though. Like, yeah. They laid an absolute egg here. They were not good offensively, and that that's that's really the one thing that Wisconsin can still do well is defend. Um, their right. their issues are always going to be on the offensive side of the ball. But Tennessee did themselves no favors, and this was kind of the concern coming into the season. You lose a lot of you know great guys in terms of the history and the of the entire program yeah. um, and Admiral Schofield, Grant Williams and others. Um, yeah. This, uh, this highlighted, you might've expected this effort um, from a, you know, November game, but almost in January now shouldn't be, shouldn't be doing this at home against a clearly inferior team. Yeah. Lamonte Turner leaving for the year also hurts, but it shouldn't yeah. hurt to the tune of a 20 point home loss where you can't even break 50. Yeah, like Tennessee is still a good basketball team. They should be able to get there, and I believe Rick Barnes even said it before. You know, he he said something along the lines of like we we were struggling even with Lamonte in the lineup, and just because he's gone, you know, we weren't shell shocked. We just didn't play well, and I think that'll take a little bit of time to get over because obviously you're losing one of your leaders, but at the same time, yeah, I mean, look at Georgetown. They lose half their roster, basically, and all they've done is win since then because it should give guys the chance to step up and make plays. Yeah, I mean, certainly accurate. They did not play well. So there's there is that. I Honestly, like, just a quick tangent on or- Georgetown at this point. Yeah. Losing to Kinjo and getting better, like... It's crazy. Are we, are we, are we seeing a, a Ewing theory on a Patrick Ewing coach <laughs> team? We might Full be. Circle. We, we is, just might be. This is uh, Inception right here. Yeah, basketball Inception. It I, it is pretty crazy though because Akinjo is a legit like one of the was one of the top guards in the Big East, and I think you could very easily say that on both sides of the ball because he is a tenacious defender and can create his own shot offensively. But they lose him all of a sudden. Mac McClung just ex- starts exploding offensively, and Omer Yurt Seven has been outrageous i mean he had what 32 and 17 the other day he's obviously gonna have to do it all biggies play long and they've only got seven scholarship players so it's gonna get a little tough yeah. but hey they can they he can could. steal some wins here he could yeah he could do it i think um, especially in the biggies this year eight and ten could seven eleven could probably get them into the tournament i wouldn't be surprised it is it is not outside the realm of possibility i would i would say for sure um so yeah it's it's possible. It is possible. Other than that, I mean, I had UCLA as well, but we already talked about them. <laughs> um, yikes. I, I, I kind of want to see a Mick Cronin year two, and it's sad that, you know, it's not even 2020 yet, and we're already talking about Mick Cronin possibly being gone after year one, but we, we said it from I the mean, beginning. I mean, when you this bad? We said it from the beginning. This hire made no sense. They, I mean, this and Mike Anderson, and we're, we're eating a little crow on Mike Anderson just because... He's never had a losing season, and he's five wins away from guaranteeing that this year. So, <clears throat> excuse me. I I will say, like, I will I will not be eating crow on the Mike Anderson <laughs> hire because, Yet. well, no, 
Because if if all we're saying is the hire didn't make sense, oh yeah, it didn't make sense. That's right. That that is that is accurate. Um, but yeah, the the Mick Ronan one was just never never a fit at all. Um, it was just kind of we we whiffed on everybody else, and you know you have done pretty well at Cincinnati, which is like a tier below. So sure, why not? It but, is. Yeah, uh... it's, when you think Westwood, you think slow it down, grind it out, defensive basketball. Yeah. Yep. Exact exact culture match. It is spot on. I you know maybe uh, maybe if Texas falls apart after losing to Providence, they uh, yeah that was another Shaka was, uh, can move over to UCLA. Fail upwards like that? Yeah, that's. I mean, is it upwards though? In basketball, yeah. Prestige, sure, but currently. It, the Texas, Texas has a lot of money. That's yeah. <clears throat> similar to yeah, similar to um, Holtman. Honestly, going to Ohio State, you don't yeah. necessarily think of Ohio State as a big basketball brand, but in terms of resources and what they can throw at you. But honestly, like I, I wouldn't be surprised at UCLA just like basically getting pretty close to blank check territory if it means their basketball program will not be a joke anymore yeah they need it desperately i and you look at the pac-12 the last few years too how winnable can it get for and ucla just is nowhere to be seen it's, yeah very winnable yeah. it's i mean honestly th- this year there are more like good teams than there there have been in the last yeah the last several um they just the the trio of oregon washington arizona Usually it's just one. And I would argue Stanford and Oregon State are a lot better than expected, and they have yeah. like legit stars on their teams that can probably propel them to like a fourth place finish behind those guys. Yeah, uh, very very interested as, as soon as we finish recording in uh, Stanford, Kansas today. Yeah, that'll that'll be a good one. Because um, yeah, Stanford they well, quietly as eleven say, and one. As, as I say that, they're down thirteen two eight minutes into the game. So <laughs> well, maybe that was not, fun. but. But yeah, there, uh, there, there was there was pretty much nothing expected from them, and they're they're overachieving so far. So yeah, why not? I mean, there's 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 always there's always a couple Pac-12 teams that that really really overachieve from from what they're projecting the preseason. The, the problem is oftentimes it's not good enough to still get them a seat at the yeah. NCAA tournament table because there are just not enough good wins to be had in conference play. So yeah. That makes that makes their games against the the perceived conferences elite all the more important. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, and the only other thing I have is that the dream it looks like it's about to to be over. The flame will be extinguished as Liberty's down thirteen with three minutes left at LSU. Uh, well, we it, were was a, it was a good run. So close, so close. Would have been nice to uh, to get that one and and have a good preseason prediction, but alas. Well, I mean, I, I think I think you're still correct like it was most obscure yeah 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 because it well did duquesne lose yet yeah they did okay so yeah then you're you're good san diego it's it's just san diego san diego state is less obscure yeah and obviously auburn at 11 and uh, it's not an obscure team so that's yeah no you were you you were exactly right utah state let me down they did they still look pretty good though they i mean they yeah they they had a they had a good start at the cid the the loss to BYU wasn't great, but I mean helps our boys in the the West Coast Conference. So. It does three bid league. W- won't complain about that. Hey, stranger things have happened. I I I think BYU would have had to 
um, taking advantage a little more in Maui for that to be super realistic if we're talking like at large conversation. Yeah. But yeah, St. Mary's definitely at large team um, once again. Imagine if they didn't just get boat raced out of the gate to start the year, St. Mary's. They'd probably be, you know, sitting around the top 20 right now. Yeah. They, uh, yeah, that, that win against Wisconsin has not aged super well either. Yeah. But I thought, that, thought that might get a little more, uh, a little more for the brands, but oh well. Let's see, where's BYU? BYU's 35 in the uh, net rankings. You know, the all-important net rankings. I'm just, I, I see net and my brain still says RPI, so I just, yep. like, I'm still, I'm, I'm still, I'm still not there yet. They're like 37 in Ken Palm too, I think. So they're there. Yeah. It's just, will the committee give a team like that a chance, or are we going to see like a 15 loss Vanderbilt? from a couple years ago get another chance oh my god let's hope not um yeah i don't know st mary's at 27 so yeah got uh some good teams out west um mostly not in the pac-12 surprise so as is becoming an annual tradition at this point it is um yeah it's, it's really all i have this week mm-hmm. uh little little light on the games outside of college football playoff um yeah it'll be conference play starting up um, the, the coming week for, for those that haven't already in college basketball. So we'll have that to talk about next week. And then, of course, you know, New Year's Six and National Championship game. So we will wow. we'll see you then.